I'm Richard August, the designer of Epic Encounters, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about the 2022 Emmy Awards. In the news, a new Lord of the Rings RPG from Free League, a new Warhammer 40k RPG from Cubicle 7, a new edition of 13th Age from Pelgrane Press, and Gen Con may be moving from Indianapolis, and more. Plus, five minutes of Gen Con with Egg Embry and a brand new sketch about bluffing your way past being caught red-handed. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am delighted to announce that today's podcast is sponsored by the local town crier service, Town Square Space. I mean, I say that I'm delighted, but as you can imagine, I'm being less than completely sincere. Town Square Space provides an all-in-one platform that gives you everything you need to announce your announcements or proclaim your proclamations. But who writes this stuff? Town Square Space's professional town criers are at least 30% louder than any other town criers. Whether you're just getting started or are an established brand, our powerful platform helps your business grow. I remember when it was perfectly acceptable to announce your next genocidal plan by posting it on the local notice board, but apparently no one looks at notice boards anymore, so you have to pay a man to bellow in people's faces. You people sicken me. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ And with me on this very, very very hot Friday is Beat Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ has ever. It is a complete and total delight to be here. And also bringing what I can only presume is icy fresh coolness with her. It's the one. It's the only. It's the amazing. It's it's me, Jessica from EM Publishing. And that's I. I wish I was in that state. I am not enjoying the UK heatwave right now as a ginger person. Nobody is enjoying the UK heatwave yeah. right now, especially our dogs. Yes. Yes, uh, the head of marketing and the head of quality control are very grumpy this week. <laughs> oh. oh, well, yeah. what are you going to do? So, given the horrible heat wave, what have you guys been up to this week? Have you been out much? Have you been just sitting at home, just hiding from the great ball of fire in the sky? What have you been doing? Yes, the sun is a deadly laser, so I will not be going outside. <laughs> um, I, I've been working on EM publishing stuff in a surprise twist to no one. Uh, Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Uh, yeah, um, I, I've, I've been going great guns on converting blah, 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 vehicles, uh, magic items to being upgrades for vehicles. I'm very excited about this next book. I think it might be a goer. Anyway. Look what I got. Ooh. I have got a copy of the Dungeon Delver's Guide here in my hands. I've got to say, Russ, it's a big book. It's, uh, how many, how many pages? pages is it? Let's open it up. It's that, got that's that is a A4 book. No, it's 291. Oh, okay, so around about the 300 page mark. Yeah, that's 300 pages. That is, yeah. oh, yeah. God. yeah. 50 tome. Yes, so it's done, it's ready. So now uh, we can launch our Kickstarter safely knowing that we've done all the hard work. Yes. It's a tome of tombs. Yes. I've been yep. doing yeah, all the exciting... I've been doing all yeah. the exciting shipping calculations for that. That's been a large part of my In week. In order to make sure that people... 
like me, will be getting their books because I am so excited for it. But the Dungeon Delver's Guide, I'm very excited yeah. for. I uh, So that's happening at the end of August and the kind of notify page on Kickstarter is up. And we've been speaking to kind of backer kit to get all the stuff ready for afterwards. And oh, lots of lovely backer kit conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been scheduling social media stuff. Are there going to be lots of add-ons? Will there be There dice? are add-ons. There are add-ons. There are add-ons. Mm. Oh, oh. Yes. And also, excitingly, I've been, it's, yes. the bit I'm doing isn't exciting, but I've been doing customs forms. Oh, love that. Oh, uh, <laughs> customs forms and shipping things uh, because our combat maneuver cards for Level Up Advanced 5th Edition will be arriving in the US in like the next oh. week or so, depending on what customs decide because mm. they do what they do. So some people have pre ordered that, so that'll go out to them straight away, but we're also going to make them available as add ons for this campaign as well. Because it's a nice. nice little card box, so it's yeah. chuck it in there while we're sending you a. a a little bit. No, Why not? I'm looking forward to getting mine because there's a lot of combat maneuvers. I need to learn them. There are. It's time for the awfully cheerful question. If you have a question, tag us on the socials with hashtag awfully cheerful question or email us at morrispodcast at gmail.com. If we answer it, we'll send you a free book. A free book? <laughs> far too generous that's what I say we have got an awfully cheerful question this week what is it? from somebody in France from oh. Ravion Bye in George. France I am not going to try and do this in a French accent because that will go really badly why don't you say it in French that would be better well if you said it in French Allez-vous in English, that's that's thinking that's back to a GCSE French I didn't get a B in GCSE French c'est <laughs> I'm not going to try and do this in French. Okay, fine. I've decided. All right, I've made okay. an executive decision. Okay. I'm going to do it in English. That's fair. Oh, so, uh, the question is, yes. how do you handle players who announce that they are making an ability check before the DM requests it? Such as a player saying, I make a perception check. Do you allow it? Or do you prefer players to wait to be asked to make checks? I am famously not a GM. <laughs> I just play games. Yeah. But I do this sometimes, but only for non-consequential, silly things. Yeah. So if, like, I was... Um, I can't think of an example now. So If you were checking for stoats under your bed, you might make a perception check. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like, if I was playing a card game in the pub between us as players, and yeah. I, we want to decide who won, I might just, between us, just roll off to see who wins. Because yeah. the GM might not need to, to be involved in that, because maybe they're doing a, you know... Maybe they're doing a session with one of the other players and we're just having a little quiet RP on the end of the table. So I would do it then. Mm. But generally, I generally ask, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. What would you like me to roll? Especially using mm. Advanced 5th Edition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know what, you know, ability they want yeah. me to put to that skill. Well, that, yeah. So also there's an element of, I think, that kind of, it probably would bother sort of more old school players more than sort of newer players or mm-hmm. um, GMs because, like, the old, very old school starter did it is very much GM is God. Mm-hmm. Whereas these days, there's a little more player power. Yeah. Not not to the extent of a storytelling game or anything like that, or, but there is a little more sort of player power and involvement in, in the storytelling process mm. than, than that. So I reckon there's possibly, like, a generational mm. factor to that. To an extent, but for me, I kind of like it does kind of shortcut the GM's narrative, Mm. I guess. Uh, And the GM might have something else in mind, Mm. or it can interrupt their flow or something. Um, 
Oh, yeah, but yeah. I don't, think, I don't think it matters particularly. I don't think it would bother me at all if someone did that. What do you think, honest. Peter? Um, I generally am quite disapproving of this thing. I am, as you know, quite a big advocate for player agency. I think it's really important to be able to do that. But if you roll before your GM asks you to roll, you're actually depriving both yourself and the GM of latitude and agency. Latitude, as in, I might be like, no, that's legit, you just succeed, well done. Like, and that was a really good idea, have a bonus to your role. Or I might ask, tell me how you do it, and allow you to bring in some roleplay, and I can give you a bonus, make you more likely to succeed. You know, um, and all those powers and ways to reward you are just taken out of my hands if you roll it. And also, as Jessica so rightly points out, you might be rolling the wrong dice. So you might mm. not need to roll, you might be rolling the wrong dice, you might be depriving yourself of, like, me giving you a little bonus because I think it, or even a big bonus, or just say you automatically succeed. Like, or there might be a penalty you don't know about, you know. Yeah. So, um, well, the other thing is, it takes away a little bit from the narrative as well, in the mm. sense that there's two ways of doing it. And one way is you can just narrow it down to a check. Yes. Which takes, which is not as immersive. Or well, the other mm. way you could be doing, there's a chest. Okay, um, I'm going to, like, cautiously approach it and I'm going to sort of mm. circle around it and look at it carefully. I'm staying about a foot away and uh, I've got my magnifying glass as well so I'm having a look, you know. And then the GM would go, okay, make a, an investigation check or a, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, as opposed to just, I make a check. Yeah. Totally robs that of all that narrative completely, doesn't it? i got to say some mild spoilers. Um, if you do things the way Russ described when you're interacting with content after the Dungeon Delvers Guide has been released here, GM's like, oh yes, we should play in the dungeon, yes. And you're mm-hmm. it's suspicious of something's a trap. That way, rest described, of checking out and describe how you do it, that is going to be a much more successful way of doing things than just rolling the dice. Like, yeah. guaranteed. I promise you that. Yeah. No two ways about it. Definitely. So, anyway. I think we've kind of covered that. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything else we need to add? Well, the only thing I'd say is I think people have different opinions on it because here we kind of, some, some of us don't mind, some of us do. Mm. I think it mm-hmm. comes down to, which most things do in D&D, is to table and social etiquette in your group because different mm-hmm. in the way different social groups have different norms and stuff they do different tables have that as well so if everyone on your mm-hmm. table doesn't like it then i think a conversation to be able to be like hey do you mind not doing that and just then don't do it but if your table's fine with it then carry on and i think so many yeah. things in D yeah. are like that and i think sometimes just having like a little transparent conversation about it just makes it so much easier because most people feel like oh hey we, we tend to do it this way are like oh okay and we'll just go along with it if they're new to the table but yeah. You know, there's uh, there was an old school style of play. I've never played it that way, and I've never actually don't think I've ever actually met anyone who's played it that way, but I heard I've heard about it. Where the GM makes all of the roles. Oh okay. and the players don't really interact with the rules that much. Maybe. The DM handles all the rules behind the screen and then just tells the players what happens. So from the player's point of view, it, it feels a lot more narrative. They just see what they're doing. Yeah. The DM decides imagine... what rules apply, makes the rules, yeah. tells them what happens. That could be from a time maybe when different dice weren't as available, so everybody didn't have a dice set. Hmm. Maybe that would have been uh, why. I suppose, yeah. Um, I, it was just, yeah. I, I've actually played in such a game, although it was Call of Cthulhu in Vietnam. So we our character sheet Ooh. was suggestions of things that we might be good at. But how could but we you work? didn't really know how good you Yeah. No, it's like, you're quite good at that. It's like, my quite good is like, I expect to be in the 90th percentile, whereas other people's quite good is 60 or percent. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, quite would be like 60. Yeah. 90 is like, you're games. amazing at this. <laughs> I have heard of games where people didn't even know how many hit points they had. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like a Which... classic of RPG play, isn't it? Uh, the Amnesia start. 
where mm. nobody knows anything about who they are or what they can do, and they discover it in play. Mm. That sounds fun. And that's well, fun anyway, for a while. Yeah, yeah. I have... in France. I hope we've answered your question appropriately, and we will send you a copy of Awfully Cheerful Engine number one. Woo! All the way to France. Bon voyage. Sorry. Shall we do some news? Yes, that is what the show is about. We should probably do that. Should we start with Gen Con? Yeah, go on then. The convention of Lake Geneva, which is no longer at Lake Geneva, but it's still called Gen Con. Hmm. Well, it might not be where it's currently held now in the future. That was a poor sentence. Oh, I know what you're talking about. So they have said that due to the anti-abortion laws in... Which state is it? Indiana. So, yeah, Indiana, they passed... It's pretty much a near-total ban, and loads of people are like, that's terrible, we don't want to travel and go so to that they've, place. they've hinted they might move. Yeah. That said, they are locked in until 26, no, 2026. They can't move until then. Hmm. For the next 10 years. Right. 2026? 20, no, oh, three years Christ, away. that's four, four years. years. Four years away. Sure. Four years away. I can't count. Sure. <laughs> 1970s. Do you know what day it is, Peter? <laughs> the 1970s was 30 years ago. I won't hear any arguments <laughs> to the contrary. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, so they, 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 whether they will or not, I don't know. They've just kind of made a statement that they're, 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 you know, they'll look at their options, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But they did, they did this year. They had 50,000 attendees this year, which is up from the pandemic levels, obviously. Um, they do say that, um, it is, it's been their best year in ages, but mm. 2019 had 70k and yeah. 2018 had 60,000. So it isn't as good as pre-pandemic levels yet. Yeah, well, I think yet. a lot of. But, yeah, I mean, there's a cost of living crisis in the US, is in the UK. Are they, are they having one as well? I don't know. If... Well, there's issues there as well. I know we, with stuff. I know we definitely are. But yes, but, uh... yeah. Uh, but no, I think there's issues that over there. Plus, I think a lot of people still aren't able to go to the big events because if if you know if you because I think when we go to a big event, there's a chance you're going to get COVID. Mm. Um, and some people aren't in a place where they can risk getting that. I've already yeah. seen people online reporting. Uh, positive COVID test post Gen Con. Oh yeah, yeah. it's gonna be. It's yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Like no one is no one is surprised by that. But I think for some people they're mm. like, yeah, that means I can't go because it's just mm. it would just be so detrimental to me if I got COVID. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine that's why mm. the numbers. But they're they're pretty close. Like if it was at sixty, seventy thousand, it's at fifty thousand. That's you know, yeah. staying in the ballpark, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's recovering. It'll probably be back to normal next year, I imagine. Yeah, well, I we'll see. Thought what the COVID rates are after it this year. <laughs> so, well, there's that yeah. too, yeah. See how yeah. it goes. Um, so also in, in this sort of industry size growth report type stuff, mm-hmm. ICB2, you know, their quarterly reports on the hobby channel game rankings. So we've got the spring 2022 ones. So they tell you the top five selling games in yeah. the hobby channels. Yeah. And they do this by interviewing um, retailers and they interview distributors. Yes. And so the top five games were Dungeons and Dragons was number one, of course. Nice. Gasp. Pathfinder was number two. Gasp. Unsurprising. Mm-hmm. Number three was D&D Fifth Edition third party stuff. Oh, yeah. Hey! Which, kind of, which I kind of grouped together all into one category rather than one game. Okay. But mainly they're talking about Darrington Press, which is Critical Role's mm-hmm. offshoot, and Goodman Games, which does license. Um, those um, revisiting the older modules in those big hardback books. Yeah. So that's what those are. So I'm assuming that's. Uh, I'm choosing to believe it's advanced fifth edition as well because I can. Uh, it's not. 
As the business manager of EM Publishing, no, we're not quite at that level. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so it's Critical Role on Goodman Games, basically, the stuff they're selling. Then number four is G.I. Joe. And number five is Power Rangers, both from Renegade Game Studios. Now, what's interesting about this is Hmm. G.I. Joe and Power Rangers are both Hasbro licensed licensed games. Yes. Dungeons & Dragons is a Hasbro game. Uh Yes. D&D 5e third party are Hasbro licensed games. Mm Mm-hmm. All of that, except for Pathfinder, is basically mm-hmm. Hasbro. Yes. Or, or licensed from Hasbro, or licensed by Hasbro. Oh, and Pathfinder is a variation of D&D, kind of, anyway. Um, so, it's like D&D really is king. I mean, or D- or, it's or always Hasbro healthy. Has for a an... monopoly on yeah. the market. And that's always I, healthy. Sure when one one big mega corporation has control of, you know, lots of things. Good things can only happen. Just look at how popular Microsoft is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the bottom two slots, the G.I. Joe and the Power Rangers, they, they change every quarter. Yeah. They're just what's, what's hot this what's quarter. Hot, and then the top two are always D&D and Pathfinder. And mm-hmm. the third one kind of changes about a little bit sometimes. Uh, I remember it did change at one point. Was it Call of Cthulhu managed to get into the second slot? Call of Cthulhu, yeah, did sneak in. Yeah, I think at that, some was, point, yeah. that was when... Pathfinder second edition came out. I think it split sales or something. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they did say that RPGs in general mm. are growing by leaps and bounds at the moment. Nice. So while, while yeah, admittedly, it is very much Hasbro dominated. Yeah. They are saying that like in total, there's like forty different brands doing well. So I assume that's Call of Cthulhu and that's sort of the free league stuff and that's all, you know, loads and loads and loads of stuff. Yeah. But it's all doing well. It's not in the top five, mm. but it's all doing well and yeah. it's all growing, which is, which is, you know, it's good news just for the, the industry yeah. as a whole. Yeah. Presumably there will be more people into role playing and they, I don't know, that's, it's, it, nobody knows though, do, do we? Like nobody knows if like more people playing D&D is the same thing as more people playing RPGs in general. Um, no, I mean, it's, some... it's, a, it's a truism. But yeah, true? I mean, there is, you, can, you, can, you can look at some data, you can look at the Roll20 stats and you can look at Fantasy Ground stats and sort of say it on an absolute as opposed to a relative. Because mm. re- relatively, D&D kind of keeps the same sort of 55% hold. But if you look at the absolute numbers, you can tell yeah. whether or not everything is growing or not, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely an appetite to play games that are different from D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that on many occasions. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's tricky for a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So talking to games different to D&D, we had a few announcements at Gen Con, or during Gen Con, while Gen Con was taking place. Yes. Um, so we could whip through these quickly. So the first one was from Pelgrane Press. Uh-huh. 13th Age, a new edition is coming called the Escalated Edition. What? So 13th Age came out in 2013. God. Yes. So this is this one's going to be coming out in 2023 next year, so it's going to be the 10-year anniversary. Oh. Um, this is basically 13th Age 2nd Edition, basically. They yeah. say it's going to be backwards compatible. Um, there's going to be sure. yeah. a public playtest, which is going to be coming fairly soon. Yeah. And there's going to be a Kickstarter in 2023. Oof. Um, I do uh, like yeah. 13th Age. It is a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 13th Age is kind of a mix of 3rd Edition and 4th Edition, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, they went and buffed fighters rather than nerfing wizards. So, mm. yeah. And they re- yes, I, I, I mean, it's an interesting game. Interesting game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the things that they're changing, they're changing the icon relationships. 
Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, they're making the monsters scarier, the treasures cooler, more banter, better advice, a new and better version of the fighter, Ooh. and more than two pages of additional material for each class, including talents, feats, powers, and spells. Uh, yeah, that's that's actually quite good. I mean, the fighter was pretty fun, mm. but things like the bard, you needed third-party content because, yeah, I, I never worked out how to play a bard in 13th Age. I was like, mm. I could do this if I wanted to do this, but why would I want to do this? I don't mm. understand. Uh, there was a lot of that, and uh, a friend of mine also, in the 13th Age game that I'm in, tried to play the bard and then had to rewrite it because they were like, I cannot make this character work, which was very sad, but no, right. that, that works, so it's much happier. Woo! Right. Yay for third parties! Woo! Have you played 30th Age Chess? I have not. Oh, you should. I'll have to run the it's game. It's, uh, yeah. it's, basi- it's, basic- it's basically D&D, but yeah. it's uh, a little more narrative and less grid-based. That, yes. It's a good, way to, a good way to describe it, I think. Sounds good to me. It's yeah, it's a good game. For the Wars, I love it. They've got this interesting mechanic called the Escalation Die. So when a combat starts, um, the Escalation mm-hmm. Die you put with the one facing up as a D6, and each round you turn it, so the two, and then the three, and the four. And everyone gets that bonus to their die rolls. Which basically means as the combat goes on, it gets more and more deadly and stuff starts happening more. So it kind of negates the grind of combat and it going on for too long. And also what it means is people don't tend to know for their best stuff at the start yeah. of the combat because they're waiting for the escalation die to breathe. So you build up yeah. to the big final moment rather than have the big final moment and oh, trickle that's off. Nice. It does work very well. It's a clever uh, idea. Well, so, yeah. so, some abilities can only be used when the escalation die hits a certain number. Mm. So, okay, there, so was very, there was a very yeah. definite... What, you hit turn three, then it goes, judgment from the cleric, circle of mm. death from the necromancer, and then stab the smoldering mm. remains. It's a good guess. Yeah. Anyway. Sounds interesting. So, uh, it is. Like fun. Free League had a couple of announcements. They oh, really? did. Yeah. Uh, they have more gorgeous coffee table books. I mean, RPG source books, which would be immense fun to play coming out. Well, the first one was yeah. Dragon Bane. Okay. So, there's a Swedish game called Draka. Oh, did we mention we did that? We did talk about Draka. We did talk about that one last week. Yeah. I just remembered now. Yeah, yes. we did. So, did. so, yeah, so. Uh, that yeah, was the big news English at version. Gen Con, but we did talk about Ooh. it last week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So so it's an Eng- it's basically an English version of the original Swedish, big Swedish RPG. Nice. It's called Dragon Bait. Um So also, though, they have announced Lord of the Rings role-playing, which is the fifth edition version of Lord of the Rings, as opposed to the One Ring, which is its Ooh. own custom system. I see. So they're not, said, they're not calling it Adventures in Lords of the Rings. Well, they have said it, it's not Adventures in Middle Earth Two. No. They said it's really? a new game designed from scratch, admittedly still using the Five E engine. So yeah. right, it's right. Oh. Have some there. But it's not. They haven't taken Adventures in Middle Earth and made a second edition of that. They've well, Adventures in Middle Earth is Cubicle Sevens, so no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, well, so was the One Ring. But, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the last oh, okay. yeah. But um, so yeah, so this is going to be it's going to be called Lord of the Rings role playing. Mm-hmm. This is 5e rules. Yeah. It contains rules for all six of uh, Eriador's uh, heroic cultures. Okay. Like, uh, six new classes, monsters, new journey rules. Ooh. Rules for councils. Uh, new rules for magic in Middle-earth, because magic in Middle-earth is so yeah. different to magic in D&D. Mm-hmm. Just in feel. It's more subtle, isn't it? And it's less yeah. flashy, you know. Uh, and that, so um, that is like quarter one 2023, not a Kickstarter. 
Oh, okay. It's going to be pre-orders. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know why that is, because I, I thought that would be another guaranteed $2 million Kickstarter. From the I know, right? Yeah. That's just leaving money on the table. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know why that is, but, well, but you know. Maybe they've got something else good. that they've got up their sleeves. Mm. Maybe just don't like the stress. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe they, yeah. Maybe they have, yeah. Maybe. Maybe they're anticipating it to go so bananas that, like, we just do not know what to do with it. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm interested, definitely. Yeah. I'm interested yeah. to see what they do differently. But talking of Cubicle 7 and the journey rules yeah. in Adventures in Middle Earth, yeah. Yeah. they have taken that those rules and expanded them into a source book whose name I've totally forgotten, not planned, which is coming to Kickstarter very soon. Mm. And the name of the book was one of the names we nearly called... Uh, level up. Oh, like untraveled journeys or something. Untraveled like? journey. No, no was, wasn't, wasn't that, that? unforgotten? Uh, no, I, I can't yeah. honestly can't remember what it was. I remember you something like that, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's anyway. untraveled, something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, they are releasing basically an exploration pillar book based on the journey rules from Adventures in Middle Earth. Mm. on Kickstarter sometime soon. So it's going to be very, very similar to our Trials and Treasures. Is what that's going to end up being looking yeah. like, I imagine. There you go. Which is interesting. I mean, yeah, our, our journey rules were inspired by Adventures in Middle Earth's journey rules, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd like to see the difference between Free League's 5th edition, you know, Lord of the Rings kind mm. of thing, and then uh, Cubicle 7's yeah. one. I mean, I, I played Adventures in Middle Earth, Yeah. and I felt it didn't quite work. Okay. I have... And I felt that the One Ring was a better yeah. implementation of the One Middle Ring. Earth. Yeah. Yeah, the custom system was better for it. I think that is always. I, the I get that D and D more popular and it's easier to play, and that game sold more than what the One Ring did. But for me personally, the One Ring was a better game than Adventures of Earth. Well, I think publishers have to do five E versions of things because it just sells more, like you said. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 From what I hear, yeah, Adventures of Earth Middle Earth sold way more than the One Ring. But apparently, it led to people saying, "Huh, you've got a basic. You got a. It got its own system as well. We should, we should probably give that a go." <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they, they've just done that with Doctor Who as well, Cubicle 7, haven't they? Yeah. Announced the 5e. Yeah. I mean, there has been backlash, there has been backlash to this Lord of the Rings, but they're going, why are you using 5e rules to do Middle Earth? Why don't you make your own system? And they're like, we've got our own system, go and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> why haven't you bought it? I mean, yeah. Lord of the Rings what, 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 with 5e does make it, sense. It's not, it's not like a jarring concept. At the end of the day, it's fantasy and stuff, so it's not. Yeah, a and D&D was it, massively yeah. inspired by Lord of the Rings. Yeah, in the first place. it's not. Notwithstanding what Gary Gygax tried to tell people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not inspired by Lord of the Rings at all. Yes, it's just a coincidence that we had hobbits and ants <laughs> and barracks. <laughs> but no, there was no inspiration in there at all. No, 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 completely different. Completely different. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, also, Free League, uh, they have their Vassen books as well. Mm. And they mm. are launching the Mythic Britain and Ireland. And I did an Ooh. interview with them on Not D&D for Vassen. That already came out. Um, Do you have a memory of that? Well, the book, well, no, that book is coming out, but there was talk about it before, so it's been, like, right. the build-up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, but apparently they said the British folklores are so much darker than the original Ooh. ones, because <laughs> in Britain our folklores are yeah. so... I'm, I'm really interested in that, yeah. And the, the Irish ones, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many, hey, like, really yeah. grim folk stories that just... October the 11th. Yeah, I like oh, yeah. that one. Our Irish mythology is great. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of, like, died. murdering children. Yeah, they're always like, yeah. and then the children were bad, so they died. Behave. Nice. And that's like, <laughs> they're like, all, all the other ones in the original Vassin are a bit, like, a bit cheeky, and they do, like, bad things sometimes, but it's nothing, like, terrible. The British ones are like, no, 
that we chose violence yeah. today. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> yes, yeah, because so I'm uh, looking forward to seeing that actually, because I think Vassen's a very interesting. Well, I, I, I really like, like the, the folklore of the British Isles. I like the kind of mm-hmm. slightly spooky fogginess of it all, and then yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's very atmospheric. Ooh. Yeah, I think yeah. the yeah. book's uh, art looks that way as well. So I'm looking, for, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's coming out in uh, October. It's coming out in October. Yeah. 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 So back to Cubicle Seven. They made two big announcements. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, so the first one was a new Warhammer 40k RPG. This is called Imperium Maledictum. Yes. I, I, oh, yes, yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think this they're using the D100 system again, aren't they? Uh, yeah. It's oh, a, a D100 system, yeah. yeah so yeah. this is kind of focused more on sort of intrigue and investigation. Yeah, just like uh, the Dark Heresy books. Yeah, um, the core rule book includes a guide to the Macarian sector. Mm-hmm. Patrons, you can serve okay. enemies and, and stuff like that. There's no release date yet, but apparently there's going to be a whole line of products planned. Yeah. So that is coming presumably next year sometime. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they'll have an index that's worth a damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, basically that's how I got into rules lowering because I had a PDF copy of the rules, was playing it in an online game. And you know what? Trying to look things up the regular way was so hard, whereas Control Find... Mm. Control Find was definitely my friend. Yeah. 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 Well, their other announcement was something called Broken Weave. So this is a new setting they're announcing. And this is... They call this a tragic fantasy setting. Um, And a weave of magic has been broken. Mm. The gods are all dead and the lands are shattered. It's quite a dark setting, it sounds like. This uses D&D 5th edition, but apparently they've like ripped it up in... Or I quote one of the designers, Alex Klippinger, said... They ripped up the D&D 5th edition system in bonkers ways while creating this setting. Hmm. Don't know what that means, but that's coming out in 2023. Already. I thought it'd be lovely. All cubicle southern stuff looks uh, really nice, doesn't it? It's true. It's just like, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for more escapism and like just getting away from horrible dystopias. Huh. Different things. I, for different people. I love a horrible dystopia setting okay well that's nice so you know something for everyone then this is for you yeah yes it does look for me and they said they're planning on i think it's this is it's compatible with 5e like you said but they're planning on doing a separate system for it later down the line so i think they're starting off with 5e to get like the setting out there so it's accessible for people and then they're planning on making their own thing with it so i might wait until it's a different system yeah i think that'll be when i would get it myself yeah. So this isn't quite RPG news, but it's kind of slightly related, I guess. You know the Yawning Portal? Yes. There's now a board game coming of it. Ah. The, the Yawning Portal, for those unfamiliar, uh, both of you, hi, um, <laughs> is uh, a tavern which is in Waterdeep, and it has a, it's basically a tavern over a big portal into this uh, enormous dungeon. Uh, it's had releases like Tales of the Yawning Portal, which is a anthology collection of famous dungeons, and it's also the lead-in from Waterdeep Dragon Heist into Waterdeep Dungeons of Mad Mage, to give so you some context. Lots yeah. of people will have have a drink in there in their RPG campaigns. Yeah. yeah. So in this, uh, in this board game, mm-hmm. you play a staff member of the tavern, and you've got to feed adventurers. 
um, by matching. Um, oh, I thought you got feeding your adventurers into the yawning portal. No, no, you That's feed the adventurers by That's basically the matching the food to their orders. I would play that game, and then and then you get tips in gems. Right. And I guess that's how you win the game, I guess. That's coming out in March next year, 2023. Right. So it's a sandwich serving game. Kind of, yes. A sandwich serving game based around the yawning portal. So if you like board games and you love a D&D theme, there you go. Uh, they, they, I, I, think, I think the idea of feeding adventurers into the portal is a game with, uh, which, I, which I'm a lot more interested in, I've got to say. So, yeah. Fair enough. Come, come back to it with that game. Hmm. <laughs> I just noticed, going back to when we were talking earlier about Gencon moving from Indianapolis, mm-hmm. possibly moving from Indianapolis because of the anti-abortion laws that have come into place there. Um, I've just noticed in Daryl's column, he's mentioned that back in 2025, mm-hmm. there was a similar situation, again, in the same state, Indiana, where there was... Uh, t- he does, yeah. Sorry, like 2025 yeah. hasn't happened yet. Don't tell everyone we're time travelers. I'm not time travelling. 2015, (laughs) um, there was an um, anti-LGBTQ plus discrimination bill. Yeah, yeah. Back in 2015, Mm. 2025. Uh, And Gen Con said that they, in response to that bill, Mm. they would move from the state. And the state did actually modify the law in response to that threat. So it does seem like maybe Gen Con does have... Well, it has you know, a, a huge economic this. impact. It's an annual yeah. event that brings in like 50,000 people that all need yeah. to... Yeah, well, apparently it's bigger even than the Indy 500, which is the big yeah. racing thing. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, everyone needs it's a, hotels, it's, 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 it's their biggest thing. And I think, it's a pile of geeks that spend money like it's water. That's, yeah. that's what I was yeah. going to say, because yeah. people Indeed, generally, yeah. they have their budget for games and they sometimes choose to spend it at Gen Con. Yeah. So, mm. so, so, so Gen Con does have the clout to force them to consider what you know, so who knows? Maybe that's where it will make. Oh, make isn't it sad that like money convinces people to put the right laws in place instead of you know just like empathy? Hey, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe women are people. What? I I know that's not true, Peter. Don't worry, <laughs> I know my place. We told you. Oh, we joke because we know it's not true, but some people yeah. really do. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, um, do we have maybe. any other RPG news? More RPGs. Let's have a look to see if there's any big Kickstarters going on right now. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. there's the Battle Zoo Eldermon Monster Training and Year of Monsters. Now that's a, that's a long name. That's a hell of a title. Uh, it's, it's actually a bit longer. It's 5e slash PF2 Battle Zoo Eldermon Monster Training and Year of Monsters. That's the entire title. So this right. is from Roll for Combat. It's made nearly a quarter of a million dollars. It's got a couple of weeks left to go. And this is described by Egg Embry as Pokemon for 5e and Pathfinder 2e. Cool. I like Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. So I, there's... Oh, that's... <laughs> do you remember that Pokemon oh. Go summer where everyone just went oh. outside and played Pokemon Go? What a joy time. I did a lot of walking. I did a lot of walking. It was so <laughs> I tried, wholesome. I tried it briefly. It was such yeah. a wholesome time. Oh. Yes. Django loved it. He had so many walks. Yeah. Did you actually give him like the... Was Django no, no, Django was seeing... coming along. No, he was walking around with me. He wasn't as interested in the Pokemon, but he was right. just like, we're going outside and walking for hours Woo! and hours every day. This is yeah. my dream life. Cause he was I, a... I have not been so fit in some time. He was, yeah, he was a puppy at the time as well, so he had all the energy. Mm. Yeah. 
Other Kickstarts. Yeah. Oh, sorry, if you're not. Are you done talking about that one? Oh, well, there's that. Yeah, there's a cute creatures companion. That's the one I was going to talk about. Oh, God, you talk about that then. I don't know what there is more to say than the title gives. Like, there's a lot of cute creatures for your 5e game. If we, were playing, if we were playing the Kickstarter game, you would know exactly what that is. Yes, is I know it, exactly what is it, it is. The artwork looks creatures. really nice. So it's an assortment mm. of different critters uh, for your role-playing games. Um, so you, um, so you can tame them. So it's kind of like you know we did. Can you keep we keep it pets for your five E game? It has that mm. vibes for me. Mm. But yeah, so so there are like CRs in it. So there are things that you can like kill and fight and stuff. But there's also the idea that you also have like nice interactions you can have with animals and creatures as you're going about in your world, which yeah. I think is really nice. Yeah, mm. I mean I don't know if it's news per se, but Sandman has come out on the various institutes mm-hmm. and has been uh, certainly in my household received with cries of joy um, in the chat I have put a link to uh, Neuronaut uh, by Cesar Capacling which is a game about how to lucid dream mm. and quite frankly if, ever, if there was ever a time <laughs> for a game to like you know reach the zeitgeist of the moment, it's like if you're watching Sandman, you might as well buy this game. Cause... So what, what is this kind of like unofficial so, Sandman? Is it? Or... Uh, it's not uh, linked no. to the Sandman branding. No. It's just about dreams and stuff. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a solo role playing game where you take on the role of an a Hayek. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, Yuru a... Parry. Yep, for control over the dream world. And you use yeah. lucid dreaming techniques to develop the ability to control your dreams and fulfill your mission in your sleep. So this is like trying to get you teach you how to lucid dream via RPG. Um, mm. I mean, it's got a custom scoring system that gamifies better sleeping habits. Wow, <laughs> I actually need that. I know, right? <laughs> Last night I could not get to sleep, so what did I do? Mm. I stayed up till half past one making character art for my new Level Up Advanced 5th Edition game. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet earth. Time not wasted. <laughs> Phew, made it I was a bit worried we were going to set off those magical alarms there for a minute You worry too much my friend I had it all in hand uh, Now, now you've, you've got the swag right? Oh yeah right here in this bag Now let's get out of here before the town guard shows up Hello 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 What's all this then? Oh, uh, hello, Constable. Uh, how, how are you this fine evening? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Now then, may I ask why you're climbing out of the window of Little Bottomley's finest jewel shop in the early hours of the morning? Um, exercise? Exercise. Yeah, yeah, we're, um, we're just out uh, on a, a midnight stroll. Dressed all in black. Oh, yes, black's... Very much in fashion these days, but I suppose the town guard has better things to do than follow the latest sartorial trends. Oh yes, busy solving crimes and catching wrongdoers, I'll bet. Oh, but that shade of blue is very fetching. Well, thank you. Now, uh, what, what is in that bag, may I ask? Oh, y- you may ask. Very well then, I will. What's in that bag? Oh, uh, oh this, this bag? Yes, that bag there with the word swag written on it. Oh, that's, uh, uh, that is, that's our, uh, our lunch. Your lunch. Oh, uh, yeah, well, more like a, a midnight snack, more sort of thing. Uh-huh. So why does it say a swag on it? Oh, that's just street slang. The slang for what? Uh, d- uh, turnips. Turnips? Yeah, yeah, turnips. Uh, would you mind if I take a look? 
Take a look? Yes, in your bag. I don't know. Do we mind if this nice guard here takes a look in our bag? Oh, can we... Oh, can we get... Can we get back to you on that? Look here, this is all downright suspicious, you know. I've had a report of a pair of likely-looking burglars prowling the merchant's quarter. Oh, I haven't seen anybody like that. Oh, me neither. Dressed in black, carrying a bag with the word swag written on it. Oh, now I remember. I saw somebody just like that over in Regency Street. If you hurry, you might catch them. Listen here, Sunshine. You are failing to take my meaning. The description matches you precisely. <gasps> it does? Oh my, what what a kerfuffle. Oh, complete coincidence. What is that in your hand? This. Oh, um, it's a uh, um, uh, can opener. Not then a lockpick. <gasps> no, I've got... Gosh, what a thought. It's just a... It looks a lot like a lockpick. A lockpick, indeed. No, this is just so we can open our can of... Uh, uh, Turnips. So, you are telling me that you, a pair dressed in black, carrying a bag labelled swag, climbing out of the jeweller's window under the cover of night, are not, in fact, burglars. Oh, goodness, no, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> oh, right, well, that seems all above board then. On your way. I'm Egg Embry from Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk, and this is Five Minutes at Gen Con. I'm joined by Kat Tobin of Pelgrane Press. I'm Egg Embry here at Gen Con with Kat Tobin of Pelgrane Press, and we're going to talk about some of the news they have here for Gen Con. Hi, Egg. Thanks very much. So we're super excited at Gen Con this year, 2022, to be announcing the 13th Age Escalated Edition. So coming soon to Kickstarter in 2023, we will be releasing an updated, refreshed, sprinkled with magic dust version of our epic and classic D20 fantasy game, 13th Age. So at the moment, Rob Hainsey is currently running a playtest for it, and you can find out all the information about how to get onto the playtest in our website. And we are also at the show exceptionally delighted to have Swords of the Serpentine by Ian World favourite uh, Kevin Culp and that's a wonderful swords and sorcery gumshoe game of intrigue based on places like Lankmar uh, so that is now here in person at the booth number 423 and it will be available in retail stores from September so we're super excited to see it it's been a long journey but it's Kevin and his co-writer Emily Dresner did such a wonderful job of writing it. The art is gorgeous. The book itself is a beautiful, full-color hardback tome. And we've had such a positive reaction to it. It's been great. So those are our two biggest, most exciting things here at Gen Con. 13th Age Escalated Edition. You heard it here, maybe not first, but certainly super early. And also Swords of the Serpentine by Kevin Culp, also known as Pirate Space Cat? Pirate Cat? I'm, I'm trying to think of the the EN world audience kind of connection with Kevin. But Kevin is such a great guy. He has imbued so much fun into this kind of very classical kind of swords and sorcery genre fantasy gumshoe book. But yeah, we just we cannot wait for everyone to see it and not just the people here at Gen Con. So let me ask you a question about the 13th Age. Yeah. Why the new edition? 
So that's an excellent question. We first started working on 13th Age back in 2012, um, 2011, 2012, and that is a long time ago now. Yes. And as we've, as gaming has evolved, as role playing has evolved, as um, we've been looking at 13th Age, we've been listening to what people have been saying about it. We just want to make some cosmetic kind of tweaks to it. So we're going to do a new cover. We're going to. Um, have a new intro adventure at the back of the book it's just not our favorite intro adventure and we tend to recommend other ones and as well as that we want to make some tweaks to kind of the fighter class just to optimize it a bit more make it a bit more a bit more meaty the most important thing to say about it though is just in case people are starting to get worried every it's going to be entirely backwards compatible with nice. all of the 13th age books so nobody is going to have to rebuy anything for their favorite d20 fantasy game it's all it's all going to be still working perfectly with the 13th age escalated edition but yeah so it's just it's more a refresh it's like a think of it as more a makeover than a redo basically just kind of adding a bit of a bit of gloss and glamour and and also what we've learned from it having been out in the community for 10 years we're incorporating like i said a lot of things that people have talked to us about you know there have been a lot of um, stuff that people just aren't using in the way we expect it to at the table and we just want to take that out add in more of the things that people want you know more character classes and make it a, a, a more polished version of what it already is very cool very cool almost out of time but so for serpentine it's gumshoe Yes. Why does gumshoe make sense for a fantasy? fantasy so fantasy? what um, what gumshoe, if you look at the gumshoe system, it's about investigative mystery solving. So it's all about taking a really complex situation or a really complex, in this case, city like Eversink, and about exploring the individual nooks and crannies of it. It's about exploring the gangs, you know, the, the street orphans and the political elite and the merchant elite and about uncovering mysteries and rumours and solving problems within that city context. So it's actually a really good fit for Swords and, Swords and Sorcery because it's, yeah, because a lot of that, for an urban Swords and Sorcery setting, a lot of that is focused on factions. It is kind of focused on working with groups of people and with, you know, kind of coming to a solution to a problem with that group of people. Awesome. So where can people find out more about this? Oh, we would love if people came to our website, which is www.pelgrainepress.com. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at Pelgrain Press, and you can find us on Facebook at Pelgrain Press. And we're also on, on Twitch and on Instagram and on all the other things, but those are the main, the main three that, that we're on it. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you talking with me. Sure. No, great to be here. Thank you. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget, patreon.com slash morris. Can I go now? So yeah, the Ennies happened. So the Ennies took place at Gen Con. Yes. Last Friday. And they were hosted by Kat Tobin of Pelgrim Press and Ooh, Kevin nice. Cole. 
mm-hmm. also of Pilgrim Brass, yeah. uh, who had to step in at the last minute because mm-hmm. the original presenters were ill. I don't know if that was COVID, but um, right at the last minute, they had to call in ill. Um, so uh, Cap Tobin and Kevin Cobb stepped in to MC the event. Right, right. Okay. I did a fine job, so I hear. You can actually watch the video online if you want to actually watch them do it. I mean, Kevin's done it loads of times before. Ooh. So he knows what he's doing. Um, so, yeah, the NE's all about tabletop role-playing games, Ooh. awards, lots and lots and lots and lots of different categories. Yes. The winners were announced. Um, so... What, what, have you got any big takeaways from that? I mean, it looks like the big winner of the of the evening was Thirsty Sword Lesbians. They got yes. Product of the Year. Yes. And they also got uh, another award as well. I'm just trying to remember. They got gold. Best yeah, they, they got Best Game best as well. Game. Yes. Yeah. One, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. So that, I think, was the winner of the winner of the night. Mm-hmm. I got Wonder Home did very well as well. So they got mm. gold in Best Art cover. Uh, they got silver for Best Art, like Interior Art. And they won yeah. something else as well. They got uh, gold for the best family game, so they took home three awards mm. as well. Yeah, there's no. Sometimes you get companies that have a complete sweep. Mm. We didn't get that this year. It's quite a, a widespread yeah. of winners, which I think is nice. Like, no, no, nobody, nobody went home with like twelve awards or anything, which sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fa- fan favorite mm-hmm. was unsurprisingly Darrington Press, which is um, the yeah. one. Um, you know, they're going to win that. Nice. There's no. I don't think there's anyone apart from Wizards of the Coast or Paizo that could maybe even come close to trying to compete with that there. Yeah, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, but, but I think we've done quite well on the show because I'm recognising a lot of these names from having been previous guests. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think Sly, Sly Flourish, Mike Shea. Yeah, yeah, got a couple, didn't he? If uh, was Lazy best, DM's si- companion, silver best online content got a silver award for that, and um, best electronic book. Yes. Um, I see we also had Chiangxi, Blood in the Banquet Hall, which was the mm-hmm. West Coast of America, Chinese Laundry meets Hopping Vampires yes, board game yeah. slash RPG. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that that's the literary world to get a silver for best supplement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also best setting. So, uh, no, sorry, best setting rather than best supplement. I'm sorry, I mm-hmm. do apologise. Our, our good friend Chris Spivey, who we're hoping to learn to show yet again at some point, they did extremely well getting Silver Award for Haunted West, which yeah. was in Best Rule Set, mm-hmm. uh, a very laudable achievement. It was also nominated for a Diana Jones Award as well, if I recall correctly. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's a big, it's a big spread. June Adventures in the Imperium won a couple. Yeah. Call of Cthulhu in various forms won a couple. Yeah. Dyington Press's stuff, like the, the Critical Role stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tower Duray campaign setting with Reborn 1-1. One, one. I, I, um, I mean, if Critical Role enters something in the same section as you, then you're not in for a good time, to be perfectly yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, just because just of the sheer difference in fan base. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's some nice stuff out here. I I've actually have Barsung Legends of the Ancient Ford has a silver for best production values. Hmm. Although... My personal experience of the Bardson board game is the miniatures are amazing, spectacular, beautiful. I find the cardstock a little bit trickier to read, but yeah, I mean, I guess what I go as we go for. That's from Steamforge Games, mm-hmm. who probably needed a bit of a boost after the whole Dark Souls thing. Mm. You could be here with this RPGbot.net, which won gold for best online content. 
I'm not familiar with it. I'm just loading it up oh, now. Yeah, RPGbot.net is amazing. If you want to mm. have a really good build for 5th edition or Pathfinder 2nd edition, mm. because you're like, I don't know what to play, then mm. they're an excellent site to go to, and they will talk you through all the ins and outs and make recommendations from A++ to this is terrible and you should avoid for mm. various things related upon what it is you're trying to do. Oh, okay, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, fa- I found it a useful resource. I don't always agree with everything I read, but it's a, it's a good jumping-off point and helps, mm, okay. helps give you information that, to frame your understanding of the game you're playing. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, that one gold in Best Online Content and then hmm. uh, Sly Flourish blog got silver. Yeah, yeah. Both extremely valuable resources. Yeah, yeah. I have lots of, I have lots of say in their favour. Hmm. Well, the best podcast category. Oh, did we win? Since we're a podcast. We, we didn't, no, we didn't, we didn't enter. enter. We didn't even enter. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And why don't we yeah. enter, Russ, for anyone that, that wonders why all of our amazing books and uh, EN live content isn't here? Yeah. The reason we don't enter is because I created the Ennies hmm. and I stopped running them about four or five years ago. Yeah. But... Hmm. It would. I feel it would be weird if we entered, Might feel a bit yeah. and it would be weird, even weirder if we won. Ooh. So that's why we don't enter. I would like yeah. to at some point, yeah. but yeah. I think some, t- some more time has to pass. Yeah, yeah. Okay. some I'll more wait. distance. Yeah, there are other awards that Boys. we can enter. That's true. Oh, okay. We can enter the Origins. We can enter the UK Games Expo Awards. Okay, okay, we can do those. We don't, it doesn't have to be the Emmys. Yeah. Agreed. So anyway, that the best podcast. So um, the winner of that was Ain't Slayed Nobody. Yes. It was the gold winner. And then Roll to Cast was the silver. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. So Roll to Cast is an Australian actual play podcast mm-hmm. with trained actors, original music, and homebrew campaigns. Mm-hmm. And each season, they do a different RPG. So they did Cyberpunk 2020. They did Vampire the Masquerade, Cyberpunk Red, Pulk Cthulhu, Kids on Bikes, The Witcher, and Avatar Legends, mm-hmm. uh, the seasons they've done. And then Ain't Slayed Nobody, which got the gold, is a Call of Cthulhu podcast set in the Old West. It's interesting that both of them are actual plays. Generally speaking, because I do the What's Your Favourite Podcast of the Year polls every year on EN World. Mm -hmm. And the number of votes that come in for actual plays compared to the number of votes... Oh, yeah. I divide them into the two categories, because otherwise it's literally just the actual plays. Uh, The actual plays get sort of like five times as many yeah. votes as the non like podcasts like ours. Yeah. Like news and interviews and uh, discussions. I mean this is like technical information and the other is cool stories. Yeah. Uh, I know which one I would choose to listen to. <laughs> yeah, actual play podcasts are much more popular. Yeah. Yeah. It's just how it is, I guess, I suppose, yeah. you know, the um the Game of Thrones is more popular than news at six, I guess. What? I don't know. Or maybe it isn't. I've no idea yeah. what, what sort of you like, I, I was going to say. I just totally made that up. Oh, are you sure? Well, I mean, do we still have the news at six? Yeah. Um, yes, I'm pretty sure we do. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I think, yeah. It's just 20, you get 24 hour news. Yeah. Yeah. A bit different. So is there anything on there that took you surprise, by surprise or anything you want to call out or anything that you think is, is, is particularly cool? Why? Wonder Home and Thirsty Sword Lesbians, I think, mm. are really great. I think there was mm-hmm. a time in the games industry where you wouldn't have had like a game with a title like that uh, that was yeah. made by queer people and celebrating those kind of stories. So I think it's really great mm. that the industry is in a place where 
there's lots of different people making stories and people are enjoying them and receiving them well. I'd also note the 30 Shield Lesbians, which is Evil Hat, I believe, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Ooh. Also got a silver for the Fate Accessibility Toolkit. Mm-hmm. So they've got two there and the Fate Accessibility... That's a, that's, I actually find that quite a hard word to say. Accessibility? Um, the Fate yes. Accessibility Toolkit well um, is like, it's for Fate Core mm-hmm. and it's like advice and stuff for um, disabled characters and disabled players. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll ask so them that, about that because I am interviewing Evil Hat coming on Not D&D on Monday and we're talking about Fate Core. Yeah. So I can say yeah. congratulations on your award. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we've got the One Ring Second Edition's got a gold for Best Art Interior. I mean, it is beautiful. It sat behind me, right? Gorgeous, I've got the, yeah. the starter set and the book behind me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, is, it is a gorgeous mm. book. But it Freely books better. are just mm. all gorgeous, aren't they, really? They're just... Mm. Yeah, Freely is very... Yeah. No argument there at all. It's pretty. They make pretty books. Yeah. 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 It's, it's quite interesting, like, the Ennies. And uh, previously, you used to tend to get sweeps from Green Running or Paizo or Wizards of the Coast. These days, like, the companies in Seattle don't tend to enter. But that the result of that is you end up with a quite a big, wide range of of indie games, well, not just indie games, I wouldn't call 3 League indie, I suppose. But Evil Hat, they're not indie, are they? There, But, um, you know, well, well, they're pretty less pretty. monolithic, let's say less monolithic companies. Um, and you get this quite wide range of games winning, which I like. I like to see that because yeah. It, it feels less popularity-based in that way. Well, I, I think the way they have it, they have a bunch of judges that kind of assess and look at them. There is obviously the yeah, fan so, favourite, which... You know. Yeah, so what happens is the first stage is the judges sort out the shortlists, of which there'll be five in each category, and then the public votes on those shortlists yeah. to choose the winner in each category. So yeah. the first half is a kind of a critical thing, yeah. and then the second half of it is a popularity thing. Yeah. It's a mix of the two. I, I have to say, Uncaged Goddesses mm. is quite a unique product. That one, Gold for Best Adventure... What it is, is it's 21 Tier 4 Adventures, which is levels 17 to 20. Wow, that's very cool. Because uh, there isn't much of that. Um, it is very hen's teeth kind of rare. So mm. to have 21 adventures in one book, each featuring a different evil or neutral line goddess of D&D. Very cool. Available on uh, DM's Guild for, wow, $20 PDF or... You can get the hardcover and PDF for forty two ninety nine. Gosh, goodness, that is very cool. Yeah, yeah. I was really pleased to see Wonder Home on there because that is mm. I've not had the chance to play it yet, but it is be- obviously beautiful artwork as it's won two of the artwork awards. But actually, I really mm. like the concept of the game as well. Mm. And interesting because it's it's not run around and fight things, which is great. We love to run around and fight things. They've won like Nebula Awards and all sorts of stuff. It's won so many awards. It's... Yeah. I think it's so much about connection with other people and sitting down and telling stories and that's part of role playing that I really Mm. enjoy. And one thing was very interesting I spoke to Jay Dragon who made the game about, you know, about it on the podcast and Jay was talking about how the approach they took for safety was try to bake into the mechanics because I think mm. in the games industry, all of us were trying to make sure that safety tools are being used in games uh, and how that works. And Jay was talking about how it was kind of tried to put into the rule set. So it's not like you have to sit and have a rules conversation. It's something that kind of 
tries to flow into the game and is kind of sneakily put in there so that to make sure everyone's had a good time. And I think that was a really interesting concept because every every other conversation I've had about safety are people like saying, I use these tools so in advance, like we'll have the X card during play and we'll do lines and veils beforehand and stuff like that, which is all great. Um, but this was just a very different approach and I found it a really yeah. interesting discussion with Jay about it. But, but mm. that does sound like an inherently safer approach. If you engineer risk out, then if your exposure controls fail, you are exposed to less risk than if you have exposure controls and they fail for whatever reason. So, yeah, mm. yeah. good plan. Hmm. So yeah. I, I really like that game being there. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Well, I think we kind of covered it then. Must be any, isn't it? Um, yeah, that is the... you can think of anything else to say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, What's going on for next year? Uh, because I think they have nominations for judges. Have those already shut? Or, or what's the process? I don't really know. I know they, they, I know they have that, judges. That, yeah, the judges will be chosen over the next next couple of months or so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for next year, and then they'll be announced. Yeah. And then because the judges are elected each year, so it's an entirely new slate of judges each year. Mm. Yeah. So if you want to kind of you know if, if you're sort of like not happy with the judges' choices in the previous year, mm. you can come along and vote for a different judge in the next year. It's kind of that's kind of set up. Yeah, fair enough. Which is kind of like democratic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I clicked through on triple, the Troubleshooters, the U-Boat Mystery. Mm. And that looks intriguing. Yeah. A journalist has been kidnapped, connected to a marine exposition on the other side of the globe. Uh, only a band of intrepid troubleshooters can write how all this is connected. And what I'm trying to work out is this is an adventure, but what system is it for? Unless it's like the Troubleshooters? System? The Troubleshooters was a game that was released like last year, I think. Oh, fair enough. I'm sure we talked about it. Oh, on the there, there, there is sure a core cool rule book. It's, it's kind of a Tintin type thing. Yes, thing. that is very much the vibe, especially from the art. Yeah. Krista Sunderland. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, I think we're probably done for today then. It's quite a short podcast this week. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I guess. So, see you all next Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. So yeah, the Ennies happened... That they did. Ooh. They happened at Gencon on the Friday night. For those that don't know us, whilst Hudson has a good drink in the background, could you explain yeah, what the Ennies are? What's funny was waiting for him to finish. Yeah. <laughs> sure, All right, sure, do you want to start sure, again sure. then? Because he does take a while. Yeah. yeah.